0: This is Jeff Morton, your host, uh, one of your hosts for Returning to Eden. We uh, always appreciate you tuning in and joining us. Um, I wanted to uh, start the program off, and Dean will be joining us in just a second, by thanking all of the listeners that we had last week. We uh, had a considerable amount of folks uh, tuning into our broadcast. And also, um, of course, we want to thank Professor John Walton. Uh, for coming on board and spending an hour with us, 50 minutes to be exact. Uh, he was wonderful, and I've had a, a tremendous amount of emails uh, as a result of his coming on board. So uh, without further ado, Dean, I, I think you're standing by?
1: I am here.
0: It's How good are to be you here tonight?
1: Today. I'm good. I've got a special guest beside me, but I'll introduce him in a second. I also wanted to thank, you know, Dr. Walton. I know he's not listening, but he was just a real blessing. He was very gracious. Uh, he really, I loved the way he answered the questions. And of course, I went out and bought the NIV cultural background <laughs> Bible <laughs> this week. It's great, really, for folks who really want to understand the, the backdrop to the scriptures. Uh, I think it's excellent. So, uh, yeah, I'm very exciting. Anyway, so without further ado, uh, I have Brad Scott sitting next to me. He just happened to drop by. Oh, no. <laughs>
0: oh,
1: no.
2: Hey, Jeff. Hey, Brad. It's, it's always good to hear from you. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm, I'm great. Recovering from just some things that have been happening in my life here recently, but uh, uh, kind of about 20% uh, uh, back, to, back to normal. Of course, it wasn't normal to start with, so... That, that creates a problem right there. Am I going to see you in uh, July?
0: Uh, I'm not sure yet. I'm, I'm kind of taking the months as they go. I'm starting to get uh, get a few things scheduled that I didn't expect this year. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting year and door opening for Jeff. I'll be heading to Peru here uh, in March. And then uh, there's a couple of other things that might happen after that. So we'll see.
2: Okay. Well, that's when I usually see you live and in person. So maybe we'll get to see you again in July
0: absolutely uh so anyway so tell us what's been going on with brad besides getting healthy
2: (laughs) well (laughs) uh actually uh, i had really had had a really bad car accident here uh back in october and so the whole time of recuperation and recovering from the injuries the last four months is just getting back to somewhat uh normal in order to be able to uh, uh get back on the road and participate in these kind of things i'm here at um Uh, Michael and Dina's house sitting next to Dina and uh, because we're doing some stuff here uh, for um, some other from some other programming so this is kind of a test of me being out by myself without Carol you know carrying things for me and doing those kind of things so I'm out here trying to see if I can do this get back to doing this by myself again so that's that's where I'm at that's why I'm here so if everything goes well then starting uh, in March and April, they're already booked, so I guess it's going to happen <laughs> even if things don't go well, but uh, <laughs> back on the road in Texas and other places, and we'll be um, um, back overseas again this year. So just b- back to the, the things that just pretty much where we left off.
0: You know, I got to tell you, I until just a moment or two ago, I had completely forgotten about the car accident. I heard about it. Uh until you mentioned it just a moment ago I was like, Okay, what what happened to Brad? And then I remember now. So I'm glad you're on the mend. Uh and I'm glad you're visiting Dean and Michael. They're great people. I mean it's just wonderful. Friends to get together and uh, we can do this little radio show together. This is wonderful. So I'm glad to know that everything is getting better.
2: Everything's getting better. Um doing fine here at Dean is they're a little goofy, but you know you know what I mean. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, we enjoy being goofy. Well, we're we uh, actually had a great day of filming. We we knocked out quite a few shows today. Uh, it was really a fun format. So we're talking about Brad's book. Um,
2: one of the first ones.
1: Yeah, it's been what ten years, maybe.
2: Oh, back in the ni- uh, late nineties. So it's been. It's, it's one of the very first books was on the Tabernacle, um, and the
1: New York Times bestseller. Oh yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, the body of Messiah and, and the tabernacle. So we figured since we've been talking about the temple, tab, you know, tabernacle, place mm. of the presence of God, it would be perfect uh, to have Brad here. And maybe we'll, you know, share some of what we've been talking mm-hmm. about today. Mm-hmm. We'll probably try to stay with the big picture because we, we did talk about all the different pieces of furniture and et cetera, but... Uh, I think we'll just focus in on you know the whole concept yeah. of yeah. its purpose and function because that's what it's all about. you want to add anything on that? Well,
2: yeah. I, I, I would say my contention uh, in, in all the programming we've done so far is constantly reminding people that according to the book of Ivrim or Hebrews, we are told that the, the things things that we can see are called shadows and they are a picture of what we can't see. And so the whole focus of the whole Tabernacle series, is not just to academically walk through and show you what all these things mean, but, uh, but to go beyond the traditional view of the Tabernacle representing Yeshua, that Yeshua is the Tabernacle, and I, there's a multitude of books out there, wonderful books, nothing wrong with them, but I think one of the things that they fail to focus on is that that, that Messiah has a, has a body, and that body is us and that the the tabernacle is, we we learn about the condition of the body of Messiah today, I mean, as we're speaking, because the tabernacle is mobile, the temple is stationary, so the temple basically involves the past, and understanding the temple in the past, and the future, so to understand the future of it, but the tabernacle represents uh, the body of Messiah today in in exile, moving from one place to the next, because we're all scrambling around this earth, and so to understand the body of Messiah today, I think it's imperative to see it in the tabernacle, uh, the mobile temple, if if I could say that. And so that's well, that's kind of what we've been talking about.
0: I um, That reminds me, I remember when I was having a little epiphany and how in the New Testament, or in the Brit Hadashah, the Messiah was healing people. And uh, he was healing the eyes, the ears, the entire body, the legs, uh, and I I remember thinking, my gosh, the body of Messiah is being healed, and he's representing that healing, that process of healing, so that we can see and walk and live again, all in Israel, according to the way the temple language talks about the destruction, the healing, the destruction, the healing. We're literally in the wilderness, Uh, like you say, Brad, Mm -hmm. the body's being healed.
1: Well we we read today, there's a really cool quote from NT. Wright, my new favorite scholar. But he talked about it's not so much, yes, they came out of Egypt, they were delivered. they were, you know, came out of exile. They were free. and it they received the Torah, but the key was the tabernacle was constructed in that space. Right. And so this idea of the new creation that comes after one is delivered. Mm-hmm. And the tabernacle perfectly represents that in so many ways.
2: Yeah. So once again, see the uh, the, the shadow concept because it says it's the shadow of heavenly things. And I, I don't think most people grasp the idea of a shadow. That uh, the the whole purpose of a shadow is the shadow is the thing you can see, and it's being cast by something you cannot see. So the whole idea, and I think you'll, without me going through the whole thing, Dina, right now, I think you catch the gist of this. Even with something that Paul said about uh, the, the feast and the Sabbaths and the new moons were shadows of things to come. So the whole idea is we can't, that temple in heaven we don't see. So how do we know all about that temple we don't see in heaven? By the one on earth, the shadow. So the idea is that if you throw out the shadow, then you have no idea of. That the heavenly temple that you can't see because you threw out the shadow. And so it's just interesting to me and provocative to me that traditional Christianity um, interprets the passages in Colossians as the new moons and the feast and the Sabbaths being done away with because they're just merely a shadow. Well, wait a minute. You're, you're concluding the opposite right. of what Paul's trying to say. That if you throw out the shadows, you don't know when Messiah is coming and you don't know actually what is coming because the shadow gives you an idea of what's coming around the corner and when it's coming around the corner. And so that's why Paul says specifically he couldn't spoon feed us any better. Jeff, he says, these are a shadow of things to come. Mm -hmm. So if you want to know prophetically about what you can't see that's coming, observe the shadow, dude. (laughs)
0: There goes Brad Scott. I was wondering where he was.
1: <laughs> well, he's drinking his tea.
0: <laughs> well, uh, you know, Dean, as we've been talking now since day one of our program, that life centered around the, the temple, and until we understand that, until we, I was, I wrote an article last week about how Washington D.C., that the the, uh, the 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 Capitol building is a temple because. We're we're not separated from the template, so to speak. We're just disconnected from the foundation of it. And so I'm looking at all of these things that the nations, uh, you know, they raise up. Everybody's got a centralized government. Everybody's got a place where the governments gather. But you had said in your book that the temple was the source of all activity of the community. And I see that in every country on the face of the earth or most countries on the face of the earth. And it goes to the same point that Brad just made when they went into the wilderness, or you did, Dina. The very first thing that was constructed was the tabernacle. Uh, there's so much to that. And like you said, Brad, I spent 40 years in the churches. Nobody ever taught me anything about the tabernacle or the temple.
1: No, it's not. It's not high on the list of sermon material. Uh, you know, that, that's the center of all life. You know, we and it, we see in a physical building, but the administrative center, the judicial center, the economic center, the political center, every ancient culture, you know, the temple functioned mm-hmm. in that way. And we just don't grasp the significance of that.
2: No, and the, and the irony of it all is that the New Testament, New Testament, calls us several times the tabernacle right the temple and there's one passage in which we're called both the tabernacle and the temple in the book of revelation are both in the same passage yeah uh mm-hmm. two different words two f- different meanings for that but to somehow conclude and accept the fact that well yeah we're the tabernacle we're we're the temple so why should we learn all these things about the temple why should we learn these things about the tabernacle because we have Jesus now and he's the temple and we're the, t- uh, the he's the tabernacle we're the temple uh and yet we don't know anything about it Uh, when the whole purpose of it is to show us something that we can't, that we can't see. Uh, One of the other things I'd like to mention is that one of the things that we focused on today, these programs, is that the tabernacle also uh, sets a pattern for us. It starts out by already telling you that this is going to be a pattern of the things that you can't see, so do it right, man. You know, get it right. Do it the way you're supposed to do it, because every little detail is going to represent that which you cannot see, and that there is a a pattern that shows us something that's true from Genesis to Revelation. Dean and I talked about it several times today, about it's already in the garden, but when you get to the tabernacle, it's going to repeat the same thing. Uh, Dean and I both understand and believe that the first 11 chapters of Genesis all have all the truths in them in the opening chapter. They're already in the garden, all the sanctuaries, temple, everything's already set up in the garden in those first 11 chapters. And then when you get to the the days of Abraham... In Genesis chapter 12, all the same things are repeated in the Mm -hmm. lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so the principle of the order of things is also in the tabernacle, which also came from the garden, and that is our Father always starts with our heart first. Mm -hmm. And so not only in Exodus chapter 25 does it start out by saying to put this thing together by the people who are bringing things willingly from their heart But then it also starts with the heart of the tabernacle, which is the ark. And it starts that pattern. And and that pattern uh, in Hebrew is tavnit, which comes from the Hebrew root for the sun or the builder of these things. And so it tells you that the pattern you're about to do is a picture of the sun. S-O-N. S-O-N, not the (laughs) S-U-N. Dina, Dina, go ahead and elaborate on that because I know
1: you've got a lot
0: of information on this.
1: We go even back to the creation, well, when Eve, Hava, was taken from Adam, and then it, and it talks about his side being closed over. But she she is the shadow mm-hmm. of Adam, mm-hmm. exactly. She's what we can see. She is the temple. She is the people. She is Israel. She is what we can see, once again. And so it talks about the closing of the side, but it actually, in Hebrew, is building up like a house, the Hebrew word there is bana, which I don't think people catch that. Mm-hmm. And the root of bana, of course, that's the verb is ben, which is son. And so the house is built up through sons. And we see, you know, this just again, this pattern is repeated from beginning to end. I wanted you to talk about uh, Brad a little bit because we talked about the the period that we are in is the is the mobile period. So mm-hmm. the tabernacle moved for. You know, and now it didn't move every right. five minutes for yeah. forty years, but it was moving during mm-hmm. a forty-year period. We talked a little bit about four. We actually never. No, we never elaborated too much into One that. One of the things I felt about the number four is that that is a number related to the physical world mm-hmm. because we have four corners of the earth and everything, mm-hmm. and and of course they're there forty years. So this is a picture of our temporary life mm-hmm. the tabernacle in our temporary life you want to talk a little bit about that
2: yeah we, we we did mention the fact that to me uh the the number four is directly related to the hebrew word call which means all or everything and um it, it is a picture of that in this world world the yeah. way the world is set up and so we related uh you know this arc this this thing of the heart of things having those four rings in it uh, to, in order to hold the two staves uh, for balance. The whole idea of the staves, of course, is to balance the thing. Uh, that's from a practical standpoint, but the idea of two, of course, is two equal staves in those four rings uh, because two is the, is the number of witnesses. And so the, the idea is that that is supposed to speak of truth. And so you only have truth judicially when you have two witnesses, but the witnesses have to agree. And so when you when you do those four corners of the earth, if you will, you're representing something that represents all. For example, all 12 tribes were seen in the four camps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you've got the visions of Ezekiel, and which represent the four Gospels, which represent all of Yeshua. The whole idea of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is Bishat, Ramez, Drash, and Sod. Because mm-hmm. when you see a particular passage or something that has all four of those interpretive methods in it, you're getting the full picture of of who Yeshua is, when unfortunately most Christians are thrown in just one, sowed, John. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with John, right. Seinfeld might say, but you can't get a full picture of who Yeshua is just in the book of John. And so when Paul in Ephesians 3 talks about, he, he would that you knew the fullness, all, fullness of the Messiah, the height, the depth, the width, and the length. And so it all. this concept of four, which we didn't get too much into, right. but we did We did talk about that uh, quite a bit today. That all starts in the heart as well, the ark being the heart of the tabernacle. Yeah.
1: I just, you know, studying the journey in the wilderness is really a fascinating thing because it really does reflect our journey from deliverance and freedom to the land. And the land mm-hmm. always was a picture of heaven, if you will, mm-hmm. the place beyond time. What were you going to say, Jeff?
0: Well, I was just thinking, you know, I mean, these – a lot of times in in our culture, because we're really a mess. But the nuances that we're talking about, uh, if you just talk about the number four, uh, the, the Messiah was born in the fourth millennium. Uh, let's see, the the planet is the fourth one from the sun. We these all these are all things pointing to the absolute reality of what the Father has done. We just don't know how to see it. We we oh. don't know how we're so disconnected from. What is happening that we don't know how to see it? That's why we do these shows. That's why you're touring all over the world, Brad, is because we're trying to connect people back to what God set up when he decided to bring his kingdom here to this earth.
2: Yeah. My opinion, the whole idea, and I don't think I've ever said it exactly this way before, um, is to restore the shadow kind of thing because we, because typical religious people don't see it. Uh, we have a tendency to say, "Well, they're spiritually blind," but I think uh, a lot of religious people, and it's certainly atheistic evolutionary scientists, they they it's it's not a it's not a spiritual blindness. They actually literally can't see what's right in front of their eyes, right. and, and and so we always attribute it to spiritual blindness, which is something you know nefarious. We can't yeah, put our yeah. put our fingers on it. But I, I'm saying the way this universe is designed. Uh, with the, you know, the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees and and the temples and the tabernacles, which there's pictures of it all over the place. We, we can't, we're not spiritually blind. We're physically blind. We, we look right at something and we can't see it. And, 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 and then you add to that a theology that says, well, it's, we're not supposed to see the shadow anymore. Yeah. (laughs) The shadow was done away with. Uh, then, because the key to seeing the shadow is light. Uh, if there is no light in your life, You're not even going to cast a shadow. So the whole idea is that those who have light, truly have the light of the world, they can see the shadows, and by the things that they can't see, they can come to a very clear conclusion about what they can't see, which is standing at the right hand of the Father uh, right now.
1: And clearly God designed the tabernacle to be in the midst of his people during this Period of mortal, temporary life. Mm -hmm. I mean, he didn't abandon us Mm -mm. and say, "Well, there's a world beyond. Too bad for you. You know, you'll get to see it later." That's right. But he, you know, he presented himself, his presence, right in the middle of his people.
0: And, And and the thing about that too, going back to the article I wrote, when you look at the the superpowers, if you want to call them that, every one of them has this temple, this great big giant building where all the activity of their nation is kind of centralized. And that goes to the heart of what you were just saying, Brad. It's all around us. We just don't see it. We don't see the fact that this is not a man made template. This is ordered by the creator that these nations exist. And we don't understand that by stamping out Israel, we're trying to turn the light off. <laughs>
1: <We're> trying to <laughs> so kill that there the is no shadow. And, yeah.
0: and and the whole world is like saying, well, we got to divide that land. we got to get rid of those Jews. we got to take. And they don't recognize that just like the capital of America is Washington, D.C., the capital of Russia is Moscow, and the capital of Beijing is China, or, or China, China is Yes. Yeah. <laughs> then we, we have to look at Israel as being the capital of the kingdom of, of the father come to the earth. And we don't see it.
1: Well, and the enemy, yeah. too, uh, is all about destroying the image. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. that's that's the job there. Take away the image or the shadow so that you don't see anything. And ultimately, you know, the tabernacle is the perfect reflection of who, what I'm God sure? looks like, yeah. who he is and how he functions and, you know, what he does in our life. And if we know that, yeah. then the adversary yeah. knows that. <laughs> I guess he If does.
2: he knows <laughs> that we see all these things very clearly through the shadow and that the end is revealed in the beginning... Then, if you're the bad guy, you're going to try to get rid of the shadow, and you're going to try to get rid of the beginning. Yep. So you develop a theology over the thousands of years that says the beginning was done away with, and the shadow was done away with, and then you have fifty different versions of end time prophecies, and everybody's arguing with each other. Oh my gosh! Uh, what's yeah. going to happen in the future when you threw out you threw it out the trash? <laughs> almost like I wonder if the garbage man came and got the trash yet? <laughs> Honey, went out there and looked in the trash can real quick, and see if he took it away. You know, that kind of a thing. <laughs> I call that the trash can. I call that the prophecies of YouTube.
0: <laughs> because you can just you can get just about anything you want to believe on YouTube when it comes to the way that the enemy has put the veil or blinded us. And I'm waiting for the Father to say, "Hey, the veil is removed. Let me show you what I'm doing." And I believe He's doing that for those that are chasing after Him.
1: I mean, there's no question He has given us the, the vision and the picture. It's our choice whether we want to see it. That right. you, know, that's kind of. So we yeah we had uh, we really covered a lot of territory today. Mm-hmm. We went through all the various vessels and furniture and everything. Well, I guess not too many vessels, but yeah. we talked quite a bit about the ark. Uh, we just have a few minutes left. You want to just yeah, what you, know, once, you once, were sharing about the heart of the, of the right. tabernacle?
2: Right. Uh, Dee and I talked about this in one of the first couple of programs, and it's something that she g- agrees with me on, and that is if something. Is a pattern. If something is from God and it's truly a model, it's truly a paradigm. Then it will never fail, will it? You know, right. It never fails. Is it? Well, I found them here, but they don't work over here. If it's really from the heart of God, then it'll be in the beginning. It'll be in the middle, and it'll be in the end. And this this idea of the of the of the pattern of of first seed then fruit. You know, I like to deal with agriculture and the land right. first, right. Uh, because I think Yeshua did that as well. Uh, everything's wheat and tares and vineyards and vineyard owners and, and uh, t- t- all, the, all these kind of images, plowmen and so forth in the scripture. So I believe he uses that. So when you go out to something that everybody can see in every country, uh, to a greater or lesser degree in this world, you see them. when a farmer goes to plant seed, he first plants the seed, then it produces the fruit that pattern that model if it's a true one and if it's from the heart of God will never change but it comes in different forms but it's the same thing and so first you have the the uh of, of the tabernacle first you have the heart of it the ark you, his desire is to start with your heart first the father gives you the gift you can't earn that first thing you can't earn the seed you can't really go out and make a seed right okay Somebody's got, usually people have gardens nice because someone gave, they went down and bought it or something, or someone gave them the seed. But you can be responsible for the fruit that comes forth from it, and that means you can either let it die on the vine, ignore it and not do it, or you can cultivate it and take care of it and produce the fruit that's supposed to come from from that seed. So the whole idea in Western thinking is always one or the other. It's either the grace or the Torah. One of the first times I went to Israel, talked to the Orthodox on the street, telling them about Yeshua, he told me, you must choose between this Jesus and the Torah. Okay, that's what he said to me. And so I come a land, I get back, I go speak in Florida, and I'm in a Christian church, and I'm telling them about the Torah. And they said to me, not in the same way, obviously, <laughs> you must choose between Jesus and the Torah. So everybody's telling me, because that's the Western way of life. Choose between the Republican and the Democrat, the conservative or the liberal, When in Hebrew thinking, you know, the people that wrote the Bible, those guys, uh, it's everything is one before the other, and that will be reflected in everything. First, God tells Moses, I'm going to deliver you from Egypt, and then you're going to serve me on the mountain. First, Noah finds grace in the eyes of God, and then he goes and builds an ark. And so before you get the court and all the things that you're going to see in the tabernacle, he starts with the heart of it, the part you don't see. Yeah, the ark is the part of the of the tabernacle you don't see. He always starts at that. That's always got to be a gift from God, and then comes the works and walking out in them, and 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 this is also wonderfully displayed in the tabernacle, which eventually becomes wonderfully displayed in the stationary temple. Yeah, amen. And it's just well. got more things to do it because you know the temples are a little more complicated <laughs> than the tabernacle. But given the way I am. Uh, just give me the simple stuff in the tabernacle, because sometimes the temple's over my head, <laughs> not my not my uh, area of expertise.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. I started reading Jacob Milgram today, and uh, I feel like I'm reading Meshalat Yasharim again. Mm-hmm. Uh, that when you start digging into this stuff here, uh, you can get lost in the soup real quick. <laughs> so, Brad, I love how you keep everything simple. You've been talking about a seed. For as long as I've known you, going out 10 years, it's really good to hear you back and uh, back in the saddle, so to speak. And I I, I certainly will keep you in prayer. And uh, Dina, we're coming towards the end of the show, so I'll let you two uh, say whatever you want to say, and uh, we'll see all of our audience next week. We love you guys, but we really appreciate the level of people that are, are tuning in every week. So, Dina, you got the last
1: word. Okay, and that's as it should be. Yes, right? that's right. <laughs> well, you know, the, the seed thing is, is just key to, all, you know, to everything. And the, the image of the seed, the image bearers, who we are, the image bearers of God and that seed that's in us. And I, I was telling Brad today, you know, I mean, he, with his principle of the seed back way back when, I, you know, I've been able to build on that material. And it's, it's good for us to see we all work together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's That's not, right. I don't, by any stretch of the imagination, know everything. And so when... I do. Know, I uh, do, uh, on the
2: <laughs> other hand. And I thought that, you know, should be known. But go ahead, Dina. <laughs>
1: So, you know, I really, I, I appreciate working with, you know, different ones. Brad's always been one of my favorites. But okay. to be able to build on someone else's work, and you, you don't take credit for that because mm-hmm. God has given each of us. And that, again, is another picture that we have of the tabernacle, that we are all the living stones, if you will. Of course, when they crossed the land, the tabernacle was half and half. It was mm-hmm. the bottom was stones and the top was tent.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that we are all part of it and we all have a... Uh, a place to serve and a function,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: within that. And and so I, I guess I would want to just leave the folks this week with, you know, find your function and purpose because he's right. given you one and serve in that way and serve with passion and and don't give up. So you want to just say bye because we got about a minute. Here. Thank you.
2: Thank you for having me. It's good to be had. <laughs> all right. And uh, we want to thank
0: Messianic Lamb Radio 2. Amen. We appreciate you guys. We appreciate all of you. We'll see you next week. Goodbye, everybody.